Chapter Twelve of Love Insurance by Earl Der Biggers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Twelve. Exit a lady laughingly. After dinner, Minot lighted a cigar, and descended into the hotel gardens for a stroll. Farther and farther he strayed down the shadowy gravel paths until only the faint, far suggestion of music at his back recalled the hotel's lights and gaiety it was a deserted land he penetrated just one figure did he encounter in a fifteen minutes walk a little man clad all in white scurrying like a wraith in the black shade of the royal palms at a distant corner of the grounds near the tennis courts was a summer-house in which tea was served of an afternoon into this minot strolled to finish his cigar and ponder the day's developments in the drama he was playing as he drew a comfortable chair from moonlight into shadow he heard a little gasp at his elbow and turning beheld a beautiful vision gabrielle rose was made for the spotlight and that being absent moonlight served as well under its soft merciful rays she stood revealed the beauty thousands of playgoers knew and worshipped Dick Minot gazed at her in awe. He was surprised that she held out her hand to him, a smile of the utmost friendliness on her face. "'How fortunate,' she said, as though speaking the cue for a lovely song. "'I stand here, the wonder of this old Spanish night, getting into my very blood, and the only thing lacking in the picture is a man. And then you come.' "'I'm glad to be of service.' said minot tossing away a cigar what an unromantic way to put it really this chance meeting it was a chance meeting i suppose a lucky chance he agreed she pouted then you did not follow unromantic to the last but as i was saying this chance meeting is splendid my train goes in an hour and i wanted so very much to see you once again you flatter me ah you don't understand she dropped into a chair i wanted to see you to put your conscience at rest you were so sorry when you had to be cruel to me to-day you will be so glad to know that it has all turned out happily after all what do you mean asked minot new apprehensions rising in his mind alas if i could only tell you she was laughing at him now an experience he did not relish. <laughs> but my lips are sealed, as we say on the stage. I can only give you the hint. You thought you left me a broken, vanquished woman. How the thought did pain you. Well, your victory was not absolute. Let that thought console you. You are too kind, Minot answered. And you are glad I am not leaving San Marco, quite beaten? oh yes i'm wild with pleasure really that is sweet of you i am so sorry we must part the moonlight the palms the distant music all so romantic but we shall meet again i don't know don't know how unkind when it all depends on you you will look me up in new york won't you new york is not so romantic but i shall try to make it up to you i shall sing for you just a little she stood up 
and held out a slim white hand good-bye mr minot still she laughed it has been so good to know you um good-bye said minot he took the hand he heard her humming beneath her breath humming just a little i've enjoyed your singing immensely she laughed outright now a silvery joyous laugh and refusing the baffled minot's offer to take her back to the hotel she fled away from him down the dark path he fell back into his chair and lighted another cigar exit the gaiety lady laughing merrily what was the meaning of that what new complication must he meet and solve for his answer he had only to return to the hotel on the steps he was met by lord harrowby's man agitated puffing been looking all about for you sir he announced his lordship wishes to see you at once most important more trouble minot was lord harrowby's gloomy greeting sit down old chap just had a very nasty visitor sorry to hear it little brown monkey of a man manuel gonzale proprietor of the san marco mail i say old boy there's a syllable missing in the name of that paper do you get me you mean it should be the san marco blackmail pretty good harrowby pretty good and minot added to himself for you that's exactly what i do mean gabrielle has sold out her bunch of letters to mr gonzale and it appears from the chap's sly hints that unless i pay him ten thousand dollars before midnight the best of those letters will be in tomorrow's mail he's got his nerve working a game like that said minot nerve not at all replied harrowby he's as safe as a child in his own nursery he knows as well as anybody that the last thing i'd do would be to appeal to the police too much publicity down that road well his price is a bit cheaper than gabrielle's yes but not cheap enough i'm broke old boy the governor and i are on very poor terms shouldn't think of appealing to him we might pawn chain lightning's collar minot suggested never there must be some other way only three days before the wedding we mustn't lose on the stretch old boy a pause minot said glumly have you no suggestion harrowby asked anxiously i have not said minot rising but i perceive clearly that it now devolves on little dicky minot to up and don his fighting armor once more really old boy i'm sorry said harrowby i'm hoping things may quiet down a bit after time so am i replied minot with feeling if they don't i can see nervous prostration and a hospital cot ahead for me you stay here and study the marriage service i'm going out on the broad highway again he went down into the lobby and tore jack paddock away from the side of one of the omaha beauties mr paddock was resplendent in evening clothes and thoughtful for on the morrow mrs bruce was to give an important luncheon jack minot said i'm going to confide in you i'm going to tell you why i am in san marco unbear your secrets paddock answered crossing the quiet plaza minot explained to his friend 
the matter of the insurance policy written by the romantic jephson in new york he told of how he had come south with the promise to his employer that miss cynthia meyrick would change her mind only over his dead body incredulous exclamations broke from the flippant paddock as he listened knowing your love of humor minot said i hasten to add the crowning touch the moment i saw cynthia meyrick i realized that if i couldn't marry her myself life would be an uninteresting blank forever after every time i've seen her since i've been sure of it what's the answer jack paddock whistled delicious he cried pardon me i'm speaking as a rank outsider she is a charming girl and you adore her bless my soul how the plot does thicken why don't you resign you idiot my first idea tried it and it wouldn't work besides if i did resign i couldn't stick around in queer jephson's chances even supposing she'd listen to my pleading which she wouldn't children see the very christian martyr if it was me i'd chuck the job and elope with oh no you couldn't do that of course it would be a low trick you are in a hole aren't you five million fathoms deep there's nothing to do but see the wedding through and you're going to help me just now mr manuel gonzale has a packet of love letters written by harrowby in his salad days which he proposes to print on the morrow unless he is paid not to to-night you and i are on our way to take him away from him um but if i help you in this i'll be doing you a mean trick can't quite make out old boy whether to stand by you in a business or a personal way you're going to stand by me in a business way i want you along to-night to lend your moral support while i throttle that little blackmailer aye aye sir i've been hearing some things about gonzale myself go to it they groped about in a dark hallway hunting the mail office shady are the ways of journalism commented paddock by the way i've just thought of one for mrs bruce to spring to-morrow in case we fall and the affinity letters are published she might say that harrowby's epistles got into the mail once too often it's only a rough idea ah i see you don't like it well here's success to our expedition they opened the door of the mail office mr o'neill sat behind a desk the encyclopedia before him seeking lively material for the morrow's issue mr howe hammered a typewriter both of the newspaper men looked up at the intrusion ah gentlemen said o'neill coming forward what can i do for you who are you minot asked what can it be is my name not a household word in san marco i am managing editor of the mail his eyes lighted on mr paddock's giddy attire we can't possibly let you give a ball here to-night if that's what you want very humorous said minot but our wants are far different i won't beat around the bush you have some letters here written by a friend of mine to a lady he adored at the moment you are going to print them in tomorrow's mail unless my friend is easy enough to pay you ten thousand dollars he isn't going to pay you anything 
we've come for those letters and we'll get them or run you and your boss out of town in twenty-four hours you raw little blackmailers blackmailers mr o'neill's eyes seemed to catch fire from his hair his face paled i've been in the newspaper business seventeen years and nobody ever called me a blackmailer and got away with it i'm in a generous mood i'll give you one chance to take that back nonsense it happens to be true put in paddock i'm talking to your friend here o'neill's breath came fast i'll attend to you you lily of the field in a minute you you liar are you going to take that back no cried minot he saw a wild irishman coming for him breathing fire he squared himself to meet the attack but the man at the typewriter leapt up and seized o'neill from behind steady bob he shouted how do you know this fellow isn't right unaccountably the warlike one collapsed into a chair damn it i know he's right he groaned that's what makes me rave why didn't you let me punch him it would have been some satisfaction of course he's right i had a hunch this was a blackmailing sheet from the moment my hot fingers closed on gonzales money but so long as nobody told us we were all right he glared angrily at minot you you killjoy he cried you skeleton at the feast you've put us in a lovely fix well i'm sorry said minot but i don't understand these heroics it's all up now harry moaned o'neill the free trial is over and we've got to send the mattress back to the factory here in this hollow lotus land ever to live and lie reclined i was putting welcome on the mat for a fate like that back to the road for us that human fish over in the chronicle office was a prophet you look unlucky maybe they'll give you jobs on the mail remember cool off bob howe said he turned to minot and paddock of course you don't understand you see we're strangers here drifted in last night broke and hungry looking for jobs we got them under rather unusual circumstances things looked suspicious the proprietor parted with money without screaming for help and no regular newspaper is run like that but when you're down and out you know i understand said minot smiling and i'm sorry i called you what i did i apologize and i hate to be a um, a killjoy but as a matter of fact your employer is a blackmailer and it's best you should know it yes put in paddock do you gentlemen have to have heard where the editor of mr gonzales late newspaper published in havana is now we do not said o'neill but maybe you'll tell us i will he's in prison doing ten years for blackmail i understand that mr gonzales prefers to involve his editors rather than himself o'neill came over and held out his hand to minot shake son he said thank god i didn't waste my strength on you gonzales will be here in a minute about those letters howe inquired yes said minot they were written to a gaiety actress by a man who is in san marco for his wedding next tuesday lord harrowby his ludship again o'neill remarked say i always thought the south was democratic well said howe we owe you fellows something for putting us wise 
We've stood for a good deal, but never for blackmailing. As a matter of fact, Gonzale hasn't brought the letters in yet, but he's due at any minute. When he comes, take the letters away from him. I shan't interfere. How about you, Bob? I'll interfere, said O'Neill, and I'll interfere strong, if I think you fellows ain't leaving enough of little Manuel for me to caress. The door opened, and the immaculate proprietor of the mail came noiselessly into the room. His eyes narrowed when they fell on the strangers there. Are you Manuel Gonzale? Minot demanded. I, I am. The sly little eyes darted everywhere. Proprietor of the mail? Yes. The gentleman who visited Lord Harrowby an hour back? Man, man, you're wasting time, O'Neill cried. Excuse me, smiled Minot. Unintentional, I assure you. He seized the little Spaniard suddenly by the collar. We're here for Lord Harrowby's letters, he said. His other hand began a rapid search of Manuel Gonzales' pockets. Let me go, you thief! screamed the proprietor of the mail. He squirmed and fought. Let me go! He writhed about to face his editors. You fools! What are you doing standing there? Help me! Help! We're waiting, said O'Neill. Waiting for our turn. Remember your promise, son. Enough of him left for me. Minot and his captive slid back and forth across the floor. The three others watched, O'Neill in high glee. Go to it, he cried. That's Madame Ondit you're waltzing with. I speak for the next dance, Madame. Mr. Minot's eager hand came away from the Spaniard's inner waistcoat pocket, and in it was a packet of perfumed letters tied with a cute blue ribbon. He released his victim. Sorry to be so impolite, he said, but I had to have these tonight. Gonzale turned on him with an evil glare. Thief, he cried. I'll have the law on you for this. I doubt that, smiled Minot. Jack, I guess that about concludes our business with the mail. He turned to Hal and O'Neill. You boys look me up at the De La Pax. I want to wish you bon voyage when you start north. For the present, good-bye. And he and Paddock departed. You're a fine pair, snarled Gonzale when the door had closed. A fine pair to take my salary money and then stand by and see me strangled. You're not strangled yet, said O'Neill. He came slowly toward his employer like a cat stalking a bird. Did you get my emphasis on the word yet? Gonzale paled beneath his lemon skin and got behind a desk. Now, boys, he pleaded, I didn't mean anything. I'll be frank with you. I have been a little indiscreet here, but that's all over now. It would be dangerous to try any more and deals at present, and I want you to stay on here until I can get new men in your places. Save your breath, said O'Neill through his teeth. Your work has been excellent, excellent, went on Gonzale hastily. I feel I am not paying you enough. Stay on with me until your week is up. I will give you a hundred each when you go, and I give you my word I'll attempt nothing dangerous while you are here. He retreated farther from O'Neill. Wait a minute, Bob, said Howe. No blackmailing stunts while we stay? Well, I shouldn't call them that. 
no blackmailing stunts no i promise harry wailed the militant o'neill what's the matter with you we ought to thrash him now and go back on the road howe inquired a hundred dollars each bob it means new york and a parlor car then you will stay cried gonzale yes we'll stay said howe firmly see here pleaded o'neill oh what's the use this dulce far niente has got us we stay only on the terms you name stipulated howe it is agreed said gonzale smiling wanly the loss of those letters cost me a thousand dollars and you stood by however let us forgive and forget here madame on dick's copy for to-morrow timidly he held out a roll of paper toward o'neill all right o'neill snatched it but i'm going to edit it from now on for instance there's a comma i don't like and i'm going to keep an eye on you my hearty as you wish said gonzale humbly i-i am going out for a moment the door closed noiselessly behind him howe and o'neill stood looking at each other well you had your way said o'neill shamefacedly i don't seem to be the man i was it must be the sunshine and the posies and the thought of the road again a hundred each said howe grimly we had to have it bob it means new york yes o'neill pondered but that good-looking young fellow harry the one who apologized to us for calling us blackmailers yes i'd hate to meet him on the street to-morrow five days a lot could happen in five days what are your orders chief asked howe at that moment minot followed by paddock was rushing triumphantly into the harrowby suite he threw down on the table a package of letters there they are he cried i-he stopped thanks said lord harrowby wildly thanks a thousand times my dear minot we need you my man has been to the theatre trimmer is organizing a mob to board the lilith board the lilith yes to search for that creature who calls himself lord harrowby come on jack minot said to paddock they ran down several flights of stairs through the lobby and out into the street where to panted paddock the harbor minot cried as they passed the opera house they saw a crowd forming and heard the buzz of many voices End of chapter twelve